like you're awesome. I know you're awesome. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Wait, that's not just Easter. You realize he's alive today, right? <laughs> he is still alive. He is still on the throne. Jesus Christ, our Savior, he is worthy of our praise. So if you believe he's alive... If you know it in your heart, if he's changed your eternal destination, stand with us as we sing this morning, I'll Fly Away. Some glad morning when this life is Submission, perfect. 
Praise your Savior this morning. Say amen. amen. And you can take a seat. Brother Bob McGee is going to come up here and sing a special for us. Good morning. Two thousand years ago, just outside the Eastern Gate, they led Jesus to Golgotha's Hill went there in my place crosses scarred and beaten back a world of sin was tossed they nailed him to that rugged tree where the timbers crossed that old rugged hill became a battlefield where the war for the souls of men was fought and as the battle raged death held and the grave they lost victory hung 
where the timbers cross the earth was black as midnight and neath that darkened sky forsaken for a debt not his our Lord was crucified and through his bitter anger he suffered not the cost he paid the price for you and me where the timbers cross that old rugged hill became a battlefield where the war for the souls of men was fought and as the battle raged death hell and the grave they lost and victory hung where the timbers cross jesus shed the blood for you and me where the timbers cross Well, I want to thank Bob McGee for singing this morning. It Actually, you wouldn't know it, but it took courage to be here this morning. He, Betty's been in the hospital over the weekend. Um, looks like uh, everything's going to be okay, but had a scary 48 hours there. In fact, he was scheduled to sing Friday at the home, go, home going in a celebration of life of Chuck Eckert and... Um, wasn't able to make it that day, but we played Beulah Land that, that day. What a beautiful staple song of, of Bob's, and the words are so true. And what courage for Sharice to be here today. We are grateful to have a church family. I know that she was echoing that um, in the support and love. So we're going to continue to do what we do. You continue to do what you do, and that is we continue to love. You continue to receive, and um, we want to make this biblical definition of a church known as a family to be true is what our goal is. Not just to be a hypothetical utopia thing. We really get to live this out and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I want to share today just some food for thought by way of scripture. Words that perhaps we've used over the years, lines that we've used, and we're not sure uh, if we have used them correctly. Because here's the dirty truth. Words mean things. Did you know that? I am known for butchering the English language. I will use wrong words in the wrong place, in the wrong st sentence structure. 
I will use words with the wrong thinking they mean one thing and they mean another. In fact, we kind of laugh and joke about it, and um, sometimes I get to laugh at myself, but most of the times I don't even catch it. So, uh, but words are very important. So I'm going to look at today just a couple sentence structure, and then we'll be running through scripture today. Again, this isn't uh, uh, expository so much like we're doing on Wednesday night. It's more of a catch can of scripture, but it's very, very applicable. You may leave here today realizing that I've been making my life way, way harder than it needs to be. Doesn't that sound refreshing? Life can be hard by itself. Why make it harder? Especially when we talk about living a life that is well-pleasing to him and even in our prayer life. So let's bow and open today in a word of prayer. We want to thank the Lord for meeting here. Everybody's here today that is here uh, came in with a certain um, uh, perhaps issue on their mind. It came in with a joy. We've had birthdays this week. We've had a heart. We've had all, all kinds of places, but our God is still the same. Let's bow. Lord, thank you for meeting us this morning right where we are this Sunday morning. We know it as the Lord's Day. We call it that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who gave us life. Lord, thank you so much that Cross Point Baptist Church is not about religion, but relationship. We want to invite and encourage and as many people as we can to, to come to you, to understand, to at least have the knowledge. And Lord, for each other that's in the room, between the Spirit, doing, you doing a work that you do, and your words that we hold in our hands this morning, may they become our lifeline, our lifeline that gives us life everlasting and life for today. We love you. We need you. Thank you that we're able to be here today with a smile. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like how Andrew started this morning. Now, I'll, Andrew, I'm going to give him a little bit of a break because I don't think your mic was on at first. Okay. He was pretty rough on you. Because what he started with, he is risen, and nobody jumped back with he is risen indeed. Now, we, Andrew is a lot like myself. Uh, we take the word of God very serious, but we also are excited about the word of God. We don't apologize for that. So I'm going to help him out. Are you ready? He is risen. Now, they sound like they believe at that time. Okay, so... Uh, that is to get our blood going and get our minds thinking this morning. Listen, let's open the word of God. Let's get to this. We've had a time where uh, you may have had a week that's been hardship. You may have had a boring week. You may have had a week of, like Brian and Samantha, a week of no kids. They did not know what to do with themselves. They were all over the place. Let's get in the word of God. Let's learn something today. Let's see what God is up to and how we can apply it to our lives. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. Have you ever prayed for a friend, a family member who doesn't believe in Christ? Have you ever done that? Perhaps, and listen how this is worded. I've, I've actually prayed this way. Lord, convict them by your Holy Spirit of their sins so that they'll become open to the gospel. Now, doesn't that sound good? That sounds okay. But, but, but listen 
there's something interesting that we need to think about. And that's an honest prayer on my part. Innocent on my part. I just want people, listen, don't we just want our family members, the ones that we're, we love and the ones that are closest to us, to have that eternal home? Don't we also want those that are wayward that we see, our co-workers and our neighbors, don't we want them to have that eternal home? Don't we want our enemies to have that eternal home? Mm, not so much. Lord, convict them by your Holy Spirit of their sins so that they'll become open to the gospel. So far, it sounds good because sin keeps us from God. Sin is that distance. Lord, convict them, which also is very closely knitted to the word convince them of, of their sins, that they may see the sin the way that you see it. That's what it means to admit, confess, so that they can become open to the gospel. There's that gospel seed that gets planted in a soul's heart. The motive behind that prayer is correct, but are the words, is it biblical wording? Listen, the Holy Spirit isn't going to convict unbelievers of their specific sins. Why? Because that wouldn't meet their deepest need. What's their deepest need? What was your greatest need as an unbeliever? Your, your and their Biggest problem isn't misbehavior, it's unbelief. It's unbelief. Our, our sins, our behavior is a manifestation of what's going on on the inside. So, if you will, turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 16. Again, we're going to be moving around quite a bit. But this is very applicable scripture today, even in topic, because it helps us to understand how God works according to the word. Not how we want him to work. Not how we think he should work. Not how that we got a better way of doing it. But how God desires to work. We have the ability of the New Testament to be able to look and say, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. Let's take a moment and talk about the Holy Spirit. So many times we talk about God, our Father. And you'll hear us in our prayers talk about Jesus Christ, our mediator, our connector. He came to reveal the Father to get us connected to, our, to God, our creator. But we many times kind of leave the Holy Spirit as sometimes that last resort. Why do we do that? I'm not sure why we do that. You've heard me mention a couple years ago so many times when we talk about the Trinity, how do we say it? We say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And sometimes if we say things enough too many times in a row, we think there's a pecking order there. Like, well, God's first, Jesus is second, and the Holy Spirit's third. That is not it. That is not it. It's okay to say God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God Jesus Christ. It just messes up our mojo. we got to say it a certain way. The Holy Spirit is, is the, the, the comforter doesn't come till about right here in Acts, uh, and sorry, in John 16. When he comes, Jesus says, I got to go so he can come. But here's the thing, he's always been here, but he's coming in a, in a, in a different way, in different manner. Holy Spirit is God. What the Holy Spirit will do. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 8. And again, I don't like jumping in the middle, but we're going to have to for today's sake. 
And it says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. I'm sharing this today as we think forward on how to love and pray for. Listen, it's, it's vitally, vitally important that we are praying for those that are unbelievers and wayward and want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, from my perspective, is the bulk of this nation. It's the bulk of the earth right now. We're in the minority, I believe. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, by the way. But I believe we're in the minority in regard to this believer, saved or not. Believer, unbeliever. I believe we're in the minority. But I want you to see how this works. Perhaps the greatest thing we can do for those is what probably somebody did for you. That, that our wayward when you were wayward. And that is to pray. The power of the Holy Spirit, as we are about to look here in John chapter 16. The power of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin, to help us with unbelief, is way greater than our ability to share a printed outline or to share just an ABC outline. Please be praying for those of unbelief. It's up to him. Well, look in verse 8. That word says, And when he come, and when he come, he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So it says he will convict. That word here, convict, uh, don't think prison term, think convince. To deem them not guilty. He will convict them of, he will convince them of Sin. God's Spirit will convince an unbeliever of their unbelief. I shared a story uh, this morning in Faithful Life. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I watched an interview with Amy Grant last night. I saw a little snippet of an interview. Many of you know her from years, just all the gospel songs and spiritual um, uh, contemporary Christian songs as well and she shared a story about the first church like she was a teenager and she was on the edge of town so the church on one hand was inner city but like just to cross the street it wasn't it was then all this kind of came together and she goes she remembers uh, a lady a little bit older than her came and said to the pastor that i want to come into your church but i take off my clothes for a living can i come in and he replied if you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, he'll tell you what to do. That's not how I would have answered it. I would have answered that second. My first thing would have said, you can come in, but make sure you have clothes on. Then I would have said the second line. We have a strict dress code here at Cross Point Baptist Church. You have to have some on. That's where it starts. But God's Spirit convinces an unbeliever of his unbelief, of their unbelief. You can't argue somebody into the kingdom of God. You can't do it. person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. You ever heard that before? The answer is yes. I've said it about a hundred times from right here. You can't convince and argue a person into the kingdom of God. 
If we could, then we wouldn't need the gospel message. We wouldn't need the ABC. We, we wouldn't even need the Holy Spirit. But that's not what the text teaches, is it? And when he has come, he will convict, convince the world of their sin and of righteousness and of judgment. They will come to see the need of believing in Jesus Christ and what he has done on their behalf. The song where the timbers crossed, did you hear the words? In our place was one of those lines in that song. In our place, on our behalf. Behavior is merely the byproduct of unbelief. Verse 9 absolutely nails it. Look in verse 9. He will convict of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. You believe in the person and the works of Jesus Christ, and you're going to, he's, you're going to have the Father revealed to you. You're going to be connected to your daddy. The sin that damns people to hell. Oh, yeah, by the way, Facebook, those that are watching on Facebook... We need to be reminded, in fact, the next time Brad plans to preach, Brother Brad plans to preach here at this pulpit, he plans to preach on hell. So if you don't like old school preaching, that's his plan. If you like old school of the reality that there is a literal hell, you might want to tune out that day because that's what he's going to share. I encourage you to tune in. Be engaged. Be awake to the reality of what the Bible teaches. The reality. Say reality. There is a reality to the Bible. It's not philosophy. It's not religion. It's relationship. Keep your finger there in, in, in 16. Go to John 8. Go back a couple verses, uh, chapters. John 8, 24. This, this, I mean, 824, we're going to be creeping up on this pretty quickly, actually, in our Wednesday night study of, um, of, of the book of John. But th this is the sin that damns people to hell. Not the bad place, but to hell. And here it is, John 824, and it reads, Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Question, does it get any clearer than that? You will die disconnected. You will die in your sins. Not just because you have sinned once. That's not what the context of what he's saying here. You will die if you do not what? Believe. Believe in the words and the works of who I am. In the fact that I rose from the dead. Believe that I am he you will die in those sins. What's the uh, and consequence? Well, I think we know it. To pray for the Lord to convict of an addiction isn't your best prayer. Watch. Watch what I'm doing here. You see someone that's hurting. And, and it, it, it's okay to pray that way, but, but listen to the words. That addiction, it may be hurting you. It may be hurting them it may be hurting the family it may be hurting the church but really it's a band-aid approach to an open laceration your better prayer is lord 
Show them yourself. You know what I'm saying? You know what we're saying here? We're making this way too hard. Don't focus on not doing something. Focus on him. Just him. That's the whole, like what the preacher told the chick. The chick. The, woman, the young lady that wanted to visit the church. I'm not at camp right now. Sometimes that's kids camp. So you give your life to Jesus Christ. He takes care of it. He's going to work correct home. Work. He's going to work on that. Lord, show them yourself. Convict, convince their unbelief. Now, then... They can deal with their behavior and addictions. Are you with me? Does that make sense? That's kind of, you make, come on, pastor, I'm praying. The motive's right. Good. The motive, what, I've, I've prayed those same, some of these exact same, I'll probably do it in the future. And our motive is pure. Listen, I don't know what I got to do. I don't know how to pray all the time. I just want people to know this information. You know what I realized long ago? I can't save people. It took me a while to learn that. I thought, well, I'm saved, so, and he gave me the command, so come on, follow me. I'm going to talk you right into the kingdom of heaven. I, <laughs> how foolish and arrogant. It's simply unbelief. Here's another saying that I've used in the past. I'll probably use again. It's not a bad saying per se, but just listen to the words. Listen to the words. I'm just a sinner saved by I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's an amen. I'm there. I am a sinner saved by grace. But let's, let's dissect the wording here. Because it could have crippling effects. It plants a seed of thinking that's short of living a victorious life. I don't know if you know this, but if you are in Christ, you get to win. You get to win. You don't get to come in second. You don't get the, the a a participation trophy. We're not talking silver or bronze. You get the gold. We get to win if you're in Christ. You may think, Pastor, that is not my life right now. Let's talk about that. We know that the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. We know that in the book of Ephesians. We see it in other portions of Scripture of well, as well. He leads and shapes the believer into the image of Jesus Christ and produces spiritual fruit. There is also, it is also true, you'll act like who you think you are. You'll act like who you think you are. If you believe you are fundamentally a sinner, that will be your default setting. I'm a sinner, so I can do sin. That'll be your mindset. After all, what do you expect a sinner to do? But sin. But that thinking will cause you, I'm speaking to the believer now, that thinking will cause you to live a life that's short of the life the Bible says you have. I don't know about you. I'm not really all that competitive in sports and stuff. You can beat me. I'm like, whatever, I'm good. I'm really, I'm not that competitive. I don't like it, but I'm not, I'm not freaking out. But I really do like to win. And life 
if we're learning anything here of late at Cross Point Baptist Church, how fragile and how short, how precious it is. Why in the world are we wasting our life thinking about something that we're not meant to become? We're, we're, if, you're, if you're living your life, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then you're trying to live out contrary to what you believe, it will wear you out. Do you believe you are a saint? Oh, we'll talk about that in a moment. I'm nowhere near a saint. Hmm. Let's see what the Bible says about that. I've learned that the truth is so much better. Truth is the pathway to winning. Amen? Let's talk about that. It's, it's determined by who God says you are, not who you say you are. Gotcha. Remember how I said we, how we think we are is how we'll act out? Yeah. You know what the problem is? We spend too much of our time thinking about ourself. When we're only thinking about ourselves, we're going to act out of our self. What's that end result going to be? But if we realize the fact and we're thinking about Christ because now I'm in Christ and, and the Holy Spirit is working these things out to, to put me in the image of Jesus Christ. Now I'm thinking about Christ, not self. What's going to come out when I'm thinking about Christ? The God stuff. That's what's going to come out. When you try to live contrary to what you believe, you'll be wore out. The truth is better. For us to understand salvation properly, we need to understand and believe the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be slow to recognize it. Don't only amen that term or the terminology on Sunday. The resurrection is why we're able to be here today, y'all. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Gives us life. God's ability to transform us is because of the resurrection. He said it, it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to be sensitive. But at the same time, I want to be pretty direct this morning. I didn't know that I was a direct person. Um, I was in a board meeting. I'm on a board at Kentucky Mount Mission, and they said, Scott, we'll let you handle that. You're direct. I said, I'm direct? They go, oh, you're direct. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Now listen, this is clear Straight up teaching and instruction from the word of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Look at what it says. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He loves us. That's an undenying fact. It's shown. It's proven. You can see it in your life and God winks by the simple graces that we have in our life. But we also know that he loved us because he sent his son to die in our place. When? When we were sinners, Romans 5, 8, and John 3, 16. He loves us. That is the, the, the source here. Verse 5, uh, verse 5, look what it says. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Let's pause there for a second. What do dead people need? They need life. We 
in ourselves, walking, human being, breathing, apart from Christ, we're dead. We're dead. Not good, trying to get better. The Bible says we're dead in several portions. Here's another one. Verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, that's when. And we give our life, we understand the resurrection. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This leads, uh, this leads to not, not a, a revamp of an old creation, but a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. New creation. You've heard that before, but does it have its impact on your life still? Our ladies just a couple weeks ago went to uh, the fervent, our ladies group, they went and did some pottery things. Uh, yeah, it's not my deal. I don't do that. Um, I saw some of the work out there. They, uh, I don't even know how that even works. I guess you painted them and then they bake them. I don't, I don't exactly know how that works. But yeah, I saw the work out there. And it's interesting. Uh, some of it made its way to our house. Um, uh, but in, in all of that looking at it, there's a realization that happens with pottery. They had to have something to start with. They had something to start with. And then they were to shape, mold, and then you paint your colors and your, all that stuff on there. And then you have what you have. But you had to have something to start with. The Bible says when you give your life to him, you are a new creation, not a revamping of the old. Now, you have the old within you. Which one is going to win? Which one is going to lead? Creation, that word at root means to create, to make something out of nothing. In Christ, you are no, here's the point. In Christ, you are no longer a sinner. See the difference? Now in Christ, you may sin, but you're no longer a sinner. That is not your default setting. Look at Galatians. Go back a couple pages. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Very familiar portion of Scripture. I hope this is ringing true for somebody today. I hope as we're saying this, it's resonating that perhaps in your walk with Christ, you're working too hard how to pray for the unbeliever, but right now we're talking about the church of Cross Point Baptist Church for the professed believer that, that is working so hard. If you can just keep your eyes fixed on him, watch your default setting is no longer a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Let's pause there. There's a semicolon. Let... I am cru I'm, I'm right here. I haven't been crucified. Remember the song? He took our place. He paid for our sin. I have been crucified with Christ. The difference is he took the pain. We didn't. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me. See, see what we're doing here? See what the scripture is reminding us to this morning? If I will keep my eyes fixed on him and not on self, if I think on self, all that's going to come out is self. But if I keep my eyes fixed on him, we're cultivating the, the, our hearts so that the things of Christ, the things of the Holy Spirit will start to flow out of our hands, will start to flow out of our mouth as well. Verse 20 goes on and says, 
I, uh, but no, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, as I walk, live, and breathe, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now you may think, Pastor, sometimes my faith is strong. Sometimes it's weak. The faith referred to here is saving faith. Saving faith. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but a fruit of the Spirit is faith. Faith is on loan from God. Be responsible with it. I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, that's not to say the believer doesn't sin. But what you do doesn't define who you are. Amen? What you do doesn't define who you are. We can hide that. Oh, we, we fall for that. We fall for that. We fall for this is what I do, so it defines me as who I am, whether it be an occupation, your role in a family, your role in a marriage. This is what I do, so it defines who I am. It's birth, not behavior, that gives identity. It's birth, not behavior, that gives identity. Who gives that identity by behavior? We put it on each other. And you put it on yourself. But it's the birth that gives identity. My name's Scott Land. I was born to Otis and Lois Land. Yeah, my mom's name was Lois, not Lois Lane, Lois Land. I have a name, I have a DNA, I have all those things. But the greater identity that I have is that I'm a child of God because of Jesus Christ. He's my identity. Christ made you a saint. I remember preaching this a while back and I got some strange looks on that one. I, you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm struggling with. How can you say I'm a saint? I say it because the Bible says it, is why I say it. I'll show you, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Sinner is dead, crucified with Christ, vow, or now you're a child of God. Ephesians, we were just there, 2.10, 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, for we, say we. It's speaking to the Christian. It's speaking to the believer. We are his workmanship, created, made from something from nothing, made new in Christ for good works. He's going to work those out. You can't muster them up. Which, I mean, I'm talking about genuine, eternal works, not helping people across the street because we're nice people. Genuine works. Which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. I told you God was up to something. He's always up to something in the believer's life. You are his workmanship. A divine masterpiece. I said that as a genuine believer you're called a saint. I get strange looks. I say it because it's true. 63 times in the New Testament the believer is referred to as a saint. How come you don't view yourself as a saint? Maybe it's because you have that word miss or inappropriately defined in your heart. When I say saint, what do you think of? You may be thinking of Mother Teresa. 
That's not the saint that the Bible is referring to. You may be thinking of that you define that word how you've defined it. How does the Bible define the word is all that matters. That word saint means holy one. Holy one. 63 times the believer is referred to as a saint. Now, if you're raising children and they've had a proclamation of faith and you're looking at them and you're like, Lord, I know you're going to do a work in their heart. I know you're there, your workmanship. Would you please start now? You may not look at your child that has a proclamation of faith and say, oh, you are such a saint today. The Chuck Eckert quote, we talked about our halos, shining our halos, and Chuck Eckert said, my halos only held up by my horns. That's a joke. Have you ever seen yourself as a saint? Now listen, this isn't self-help talk. This is straight Bible. 63 times the believer is referred to as a saint. You're only a saint when you're in Christ. Let him do a work in your life. Now, don't run around calling yourself a saint. I wouldn't do that. But you've got to start seeing yourself that God is up to something. Which, one, which is more prevalent in your life? The apt to sin or the apt to be set apart for holiness? 1 Corinthians 1, uh, Hebrews 10, we're not going to turn to those, are scriptures that come to mind. So to say you're a sinner saved by grace, it falls just short of the New Testament mandates. Our behavior does indicate what we believe. There it is. Your behavior indicates what we believe. Here's the truth. Your theology, what you think about God, will dictate how you live. That's it. It's not, it's simple. That's too simple. Are you sure that's true? That's what the Bible shows us. We've been transformed into new creatures called saints. What do we end up trying to do when we stumble and fall? We try to rededicate our lives. Again, that's not a bad terminology per se, but what does that mean? What does it mean to rededicate your life? I don't know that rededicating is the way of grace. The real answer is not, I will try harder. What? What do you mean by that? The problem with rededication is it focuses on self. Focuses on you again. On you. Sometimes you got to get out of your own way. You ever felt like that in life? Well, let's look at it in our spiritual walk. Look at Matthew chapter 16. So far we've talked about how to pray for those, those that we love, not that we judge and look down upon, but those that we look and go, if Christ, I, I want them into your fold. How do, I'm praying for them. We talked about them. We talked about you and how we think and how you see yourself. You got to see yourself not the way a psychologist says or Dr. Phil says you should see yourself, but the way that the Bible says you should see yourself at all times. I want to talk about the terminology now of how to take the next step in our life. Sometimes we need to get out of our own way. Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
Follow me. Self-determination, discipline, and sufficiency sometimes are on or in your way. Self-determination and discipline. Self-sufficiency, you're in your own way. We are to deny ourselves, it says. To contradict. This is the opposite of try harder. Jesus gives an illustration in John chapter 15 that of the vine and the branch. He gives that illustration. And what really stands out there is that a branch, uh, can a branch produce fruit? And the answer is no, not by itself. It can't do it all by itself. A branch is a great fruit hanger. It'll hang the fruit. But it's incapable of bearing fruit alone. Why? We know it takes more. It takes a root system. It takes a seed, a root system. It takes cultivation, and then you have the fruit. You cannot produce this life no matter how hard you try, no matter how dedicated you are. You have to be surrendered. You have to be surrendered. You fall at the foot of the cross. tell you what I'll do. I want us to turn to Romans 6 and we'll, we'll just conclude here. We'll draw application and conclude here at Romans 6. We can bear the characteristics of Christ's life by remaining dependent on him and allowing him access to our humanity. Now, I don't know any other way of saying it than the way I've, I've shared this over the years and right now. I'm speaking to the Christian. Allow him accessibility to your humanity, to your mind, your will, your emotions, your hang-ups, your heart. Allow him access. Believe. Trading his life for yours. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Chapter 6, and in verse 11, he says, you, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead. See, I knew the Bible was southern. It said reckon. That word reckon means to consider. Likewise, you also consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Or do you consider yourselves dead to sin? It's a question only you can answer. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. And do not uh, present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Now, there is the aspect of giving yourself to the Lord, but there is, there is an act that you can do. Do not willingly lead, uh, yield your heart over, and that sometimes includes where your body goes, what your body intakes. There's the discipline part, but be careful. First, you give your heart to him, and then don't make it easy to sin, is what verse 13 is saying. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness 
to God for right living. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. The Christian life isn't hard to live. It's not hard to live. It's impossible to live. Left to yourself. Trust. Take a moment. Stop trying and trust. Stop trying and trust. Here's a good prayer. Lord, you are my life. Lord Jesus, live your life through me. You think, oh, it's too churchy. Does it matter if it sounds too churchy? When your life is at stake and your life is in the balance and your walk is on... It's what we're considering today. I'll conclude there. There's more. I'll conclude there this morning. Here's the application for us. We now know how to pray for those that are lost. Why would I encourage you to do that? Because, well, there's so much, there's so much evil out there. In Crosspoint, we just have it all together. I'm encouraging you to pray for the lost. Several reasons. One, they're probably in your family and extended family members. Two, somebody probably prayed for you. I can name the people who prayed for me. Prayed for me. I can name them by name. I'm going to tell you another reason why we should pray for the young lost, because the Bible tells us to. So under that one line of how to pray for the lost, that just gave you three sub points. And if you want the scripture for that, that'd be Romans 10.1. Now we talked about how to live our life. And, and our thinking and how we think is what we'll do. And then we just shared on how to actually put it into impl implementation. I know that this week and the, this week ahead, I should say last week and this week, I, I don't know what this week holds. I know what last week held for a lot of you. A lot. There were some great victories and joys that I didn't get to give full attention to. We've had some of our very own children of Cross Point Baptist Church accept Christ as Savior. I didn't get to fully embrace that. I didn't get to fully... We've had one of our Bible quests that are now actually not in Bible Quest anymore that taught and preached at camp that's never done it before. That's a victory. That's a I didn't get to fully embrace that. But I also know that we've, in the last week, and I don't know what this next week holds, but we've had some, some heart aches. And in all these, all these things going on, we just want God at the forefront of our minds that he's well pleased. Tuesday night is our national night out at Batavia Township Park. Everything that I just shared here, we want to be able to share with people on Tuesday night. Not the message. I'm talking about the atmosphere and the attitude. The attitude. There's going to be people coming to our booth, receiving balloons, face painting, and uh, everything that we have, the popcorn, that, that are most likely have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ. 
You're going to have others come by that have heard it a bunch of times, but have done nothing with it. You're going to have others that come by that may encourage what we're doing, maybe as believers. Everything that we just shared today, A, I want us to be praying for Tuesday night. Number two is I want to share this life that we're talking about that the Bible describes because there's people that are hurting. If you do not believe, if they have unbelief in Christ, they're hurting. They're wore out. They're tired. They may not know it. Odds are they do know something's going on in their life that's not quite right. Where is this victorious life? I encourage us to live it out. For God's glory, but other people will see it. And the last aspect is how will they know that we are his disciples? By how we preach, by how we dress, by all the t-shirts we wear, by our love. By our love, our love for each other. So as we draw application now, we have a time of prayer. Some of you need to come up here and probably lay down the fact that you're working too hard. Others may want to come and pray for the people in your life that, that have denounced God. Don't want anything to do with him. Just come and pray for him. Not judging them, but pray for them. Let's come and pray for family members that have given up, quit. Maybe went through the motions but never were genuine believers to begin with. Pray for them. Because somebody prayed for me. Somebody probably prayed for you. Let's bow. Lord, we love you today and are grateful for the fact that you love us. We're going to spend some time in prayer now. I pray that you would move in our hearts. Do something very big. Something way beyond ourselves. Something bigger than ourselves. That we can be a people that's just simply being used by you. That's our desire. Help us to resist the temptation to, to, to draw attention to ourselves. To keep the attention focused on you and your agenda. How do we do this? We're open. We're open to your leading. Take this prayer time and make it your own as Andrew lead us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with Andrew and I as he's going to lead us in a song. This, this morning we called it an invitation. It's more of a prayer time. It's a prayer time. Come and pray. The areas of prayer have been laid out. But we're going to encourage you to come. Andrew.
heaven and there 10,000 years when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Amen. Three announcements to make. You've heard a couple of them already. The first is, again, we have our national night out on Tuesday evening. That's at 6 o'clock at Batavia Township Park. If you have any questions about how you can help, what to do, when to show up, where to go, be sure to ask uh, one of the pastors or myself before you leave. Uh, we want to have a great turnout from our church to show love to our community. This is an opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ. So uh, today's sermon is very applicable to that. We want to spread the gospel, and we can do it by showing love to others. So be there for that. Again, if you have any questions, be sure to let us know before you leave this morning. Uh, two other announcements. We have uh, a grief share event on uh, Saturday, August the 14th at 10 a.m. That's uh, for loss of a spouse. If you'd like to show up for that or if you have any questions about that, be sure again to ask one of the pastors or uh, Miss Peggy. They can uh, fill you in on that. And on the same day at the same time, we have our, our third and final uh, Bible study for this uh, summer series that we've done. That'll be uh, on Saturday, August the 14th at 10 a.m. If you have questions about that, you can ask my son Andrew or me for that. With that, you're dismissed.